Lord, we thank you today for your word. Father, I just ask that you just uh, use me to say what you want me to say, and nothing else will come forth, or if it does, that it's just stricken from their memories. We thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Well, uh, I thought I had something that I wanted to say, and I'd been thinking about it for a couple of weeks, and sat down last night to kind of finalize it and get it down, and it's totally different, so... I hope this goes as well as it should, because I like to be more prepared than I was, so maybe this is God's way of saying that that I don't need to be. Um, This came about, I've had several discussions with with people, and uh, I've been really surprised that uh, the people's concept and understanding about creation and the devil are really based on children's storybook. Everything that's in the children's storybook that they were taught, and I'm not saying that's wrong, I'm just saying that that concept is what they've brought into their adult life and that's what they believe. And some of it needs to have a little tweaking, you know, to really be part of what's reality. So uh, this is my take on the first three chapters of Genesis. Uh, you may not agree with some of the concepts that I have, and that's fine. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that I've got all the truth, and if it's wrong and you have something to do it, come tell me, because I'm open. Uh, you know, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it, and I'll tell everybody that I, I messed up. But uh, I just want to start with uh, the first chapter. I'm going to read uh, basically those, those chapters and kind of have some things to insert. So... Starting with Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and and he called the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse and from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning a second day. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called seas and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds and fruits and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning a third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let there be signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. 
He made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was a morning, there was morning, a fourth day. Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heaven. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind and God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning a fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Okay, now that's the foundation. Now here's where I want to start with some, some of the changes or maybe some of the different concepts. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image and in the image of God created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, and it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which, was, which has life, I have given every green, green plant for food, and it was so. God saw that he, what he had made, and behold, it was very good. It wasn't just good, it was very good. And then there was evening and morning the sixth day. Now, in here, these, these concepts may be out there somewhere, and somebody's probably already said them before me. But verse 26 and 27 has always been a huge debate for people, at least around me. God created man before he created man. Because the Adam and Eve weren't created till further down the road here. So God created man before he created man. So, hmm, what's God doing here? Well, I believe that these verses were written to indicate that this is the point where God created every person that ever was to be ever on the earth. He created man's soul and spirit at this point in time. And those souls and spirits were waiting for the procreated body to be produced. Now, I know that's, that's kind of Eastern religion in a way where the people are reincarnated into a different body. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that every person that ever was to be, God created at that point. They didn't have a body yet. Because the body is what is discarded. But the soul and the spirit are not. 
That was what he created. Why do I believe this? Because if you look at John 17, 24, it says, and this was part of the, the Lord's prayer, actually, God's, Jesus' prayer for us. It says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Okay, Jesus was there before the foundation of the world. Then in Ephesians 1.4, it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. And then Revelations 13.8 says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. So you see that that is where and why we were created and in him before the foundation of the world. It says so in Genesis that we were created before the foundation of the world. We were with him. It says we were chosen. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now that we're moving on. It says in Genesis 2, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is the account of heavens and earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made heaven and earth and heaven. Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent the rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Now again, if God had created all these people and put them all over the earth, what did they eat? How did they survive? And I'm sorry, but I have a lot of people that will argue to the nth degree that Adam and Eve weren't the first people because, you know, how did they, how did we get all these other people? Blah, 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 blah. You know, did, did Cain and his sister know each other? Well, yeah, you know, had to. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Then, then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life a man became a living being. That's where God took Adam's created soul and spirit and breathed into his fleshly body that was created from dirt, and he became that living being, just as we are, just as we are. You know, when the egg and the sperm complete that procreation, that is when God puts that created soul and spirit in to that egg and sperm at the instant that it's fertilized. They become a living being. Okay? Now then, out of the ground God to grow every tree that is pleasing to sight, good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to the water of the garden. From there it divided and became four rivers. The first was named Pishon. It flows around the, <clears throat> the whole land 
of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land, the gold of that land is good, and the bedlam and the ox stone are there. The name of the second river is Gion. It flows, I guess, is that the way it's said? Gion? I don't know. That's the way I said it. And it flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third is Tigris. It flows out of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Now take note here. Adam was the only one that God told about the trees. Eve had not been created, so she didn't hear, hear it from God. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. What this truly amounted to was that the knowledge was having a different standard with which to judge things. That's really all the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. How do you know good and evil? You have to have something to compare it to. You have to have something good to compare to see if it's evil. You have to have something evil to compare to if it's good. The problem is Gara already had a standard. He had created a standard when he made them in the Garden of Eden to start with. They didn't need to worry about what to compare to because they had God to compare it to. It either was of God or it wasn't of God, plain and simple. You know? And so... These two trees really stood for basically the choice to have fellowship with God or to break fellowship with God. You know, forget about the good and evil part. I mean, this, I mean, don't forget about it. But I mean, people get too wrapped up in the knowledge of good and evil. The deal is, it's just a, a, it's either you're in fellowship with God or you're not in fellowship with God, and that's what the knowledge of that tree was. It's created a choice in the garden for them to either remain in fellowship with God or to break fellowship with God. All right, verse 18, then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable to him. But he didn't do it right away. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky. And now he didn't recreate them here. He was just saying what he's, what the author is saying is that all of the beasts of the field and every bird of the sky was, was created out of the ground, okay, and brought to the man to see what he would call him. Whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. Now, keep in mind, also, people go, how did he name everything that was named that we have today? Well, he didn't. He named everything that God created. Just as man has moved on and mutated and gone under the curse and all this other stuff, the animals did too. You know, there were a fixed number of things that, he, that God created. There wasn't crossbreeding and genetic engineering and all the stuff that we have now that have created, I guess the simplest one's a mule, you know, a donkey and a horse. They didn't have donkeys and, ho and horses and our mules back that then. They probably had a horse and a donkey, but they didn't have those crossbreeds and stuff like that because that wasn't God's plan. 
God's plan was everything after their own kind, which means purebred. Now, I'm sorry, dog lovers. Purebred dogs are not purebred dogs. <laughs> they got a lot of stuff in them that ain't purebred. <laughs> okay? All right. Because they've been engineered, you know, and that's fine. You know, all right, I'll move on. That's beating a dead horse here. And the man, the man gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a suit, helper, helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and caused, closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to man. The man said, This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, for the people that talk about evolution, God took a, ma a rib from man and he created woman. Man today still have one less rib. I mean, if we were evolving, why wouldn't that rib evolve back where it was? Men still have today physically one less rib, and that's why. Okay? All right. Now then, Genesis 3. Now this is where it gets good. This is where people just go bonkers as far as I'm concerned. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, God, indeed, has God said to you, You shall not eat, shall you not eat from every tree in the garden? Do you see the way he put it? He didn't ask her what God said to her. He said, Indeed, meaning, come on now, woman. Didn't God tell you? that you could eat from any tree in the garden? All right. Here's the verse. In this verse, it talks about a serpent that was more crafty than any beast of the field. Now, to me, that tells us that the serpent was not a beast of the field. It wasn't a snake. I think we all agree that this was the devil. This was Satan. All right, so why a serpent? Well, you have to keep in mind that the Hebrews at this point didn't really have a concept of the devil. You know, it's really later in Chronicles and things, and then, of course, Job, they don't know when Job was written. They say that Job was written as the first book that was written in the Old Testament. Nobody knows. But it seems to me that the Hebrews really didn't have that devil creature that we know of today. So they had to come up with something. But the serpent is okay. It wasn't a snake, but if you look at the root words in Hebrew of the serpent, it means to practice divination. So it said this person practicing divination was more crafty than any beast of the field. So get the snake and the serpent kind of out of the picture here. 
You know, this was Satan. Also, this could not be in the form of a man because guess what? Adam and Eve were the only two and they knew that they were the only two. So it couldn't be in the form of a man because if you come in the form of the man, wouldn't Eve say, just who are you and why are you here? You know, where'd you come from? There would be a lot of things. So he came in the form of an animal because they had communion with the beasts of the field. They could talk to them, if you will. And so there wasn't anything odd about a serpent appearing. Okay? So, that's just my opinion. Don't, don't, you know, don't take that as gospel. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which in the, was in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Here Eve had the knowledge of what trees they could eat from. So did Adam say, oh, by the way, God told me that this. No, I believe that when God created Eve out of the bone of Adam, out of the dust of the ground, that Eve intuitively inherited all the knowledge that God gave Adam. She had to, because that's the only way that Adam and Eve could survive in the garden. So all the knowledge that Adam and Eve needed was provided to God. Now this was all the knowledge that a human ever would need. Adam and Eve had it. All the knowledge that they would ever need. So you can choose to break fellowship with God and you can go to hell no matter how good or evil you are because it doesn't matter. That's that choice that God has always given us. Now the serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die for God knows that in the day you eat it your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Here's another question. She gave it to her husband that was with her. So, was Adam standing behind Eve going, you're listening to him, right? Okay. Was he standing there? Did he hear the entire conversation between Eve and the serpent and Satan? I believe he was. I believe he was standing right there and he heard the exact thing that Eve said. I mean that Satan said to Eve. He watched Eve take, take it. He watched Eve eat it. And then she turned and said, hey, it's good. You take a bite too. He, had, he still had the choice right then. And that's what God says later on, that because you listened to Eve, that was the wrong thing that you did. You know, because he didn't listen to what Satan, he took it from Eve and says, she said, hey, it's good. Come on, take a bite. So the eyes of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed the fig leaves together and made themselves one coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to the man and said to him, 
Where are you? God fully knew that Eve was the one that was deceived. But he said, he called to Adam and said, where are you? God established Adam as the head of the household. So it was his responsibility to tell Eve, no, you can't eat that. God told us this, you can't eat it. But he said, I heard you in the garden as we were afraid because we were naked, so I hid. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Now here's where we start to understand why men put women down and why we always tried to push the blame off on somebody else. The thing is, though, Adam not only threw Eve under the bus, he threw God under the bus. That woman that you gave me, I mean, that's pretty bold. You know, that's pretty bold. It's okay to throw Eve under the bus because, hey, she told me to do it. But, you know, he's not only blaming Eve, but he's blaming God. Because if you hadn't gave me Eve, I wouldn't have done it. Okay. Then God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Okay. Now Eve at least tries to fess up about it. You know, she, she doesn't say, well, you know, Adam should have told me not to do that. But she tries to. But guess what? It's still... She's still blaming the serpent because he's the one that deceived me. You know, it wasn't a choice I made. He deceived me, so I ate from it. Do you ever wonder what would happen if Adam and Eve had said, you know, yeah, God, I messed up. We shouldn't have eaten from that. You told us not to. I'm really sorry. Do you think it would have changed things? You think it would have? I don't think so. I don't think it would have changed ever any because the choice had been made. You know, the, they had made the choice. They had done the deed. You know, and at that point in time, the plan was that Jesus was the only one that could redeem them. So I don't think it would have made any difference in the world. All right. Now the Lord said to the serpent, because, now this is kind of where God took me on this. I know it's been a long way around, but this is, this is kind of the crux. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you among all, more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and the dust you will eat all the days of your life. Now, this is where a lot of people say, well, you know, I guess the original, in the original creation, a snake was upright or had legs like a lizard or or whatever that type of thing. More likely he was upright. And it's like, no, come on. God did not curse a snake. He cursed Satan. He said, because you have done this. It was the devil posing as that serpent. So it's the devil is the one that was cursed to crawl on the ground and eat dirt. All the days of his life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and their seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. 
Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because it, from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now the man called his wife's name Eve, because he was, she was the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat it and live forever. What does that mean? Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. That means that all Adam and Eve had to do was go to the tree of life and eat from its fruit and they would be redeemed. But guess what? God had a plan. And the plan was not for Adam and Eve to go back to be redeemed because that would not have made it right. Okay. So he drove, and therefore the Lord God sent them out of the garden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east of Eden, east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherub and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay, now I'm not trying to rewrite the creation story, so don't, don't say that I am, but I, my primary point in all this is trying to get you to understand what the devil is and where he is. The devil is under your feet. He is not this towering giant with horns and a tail and a pitchfork. He is a slithering, fallen angel that has been cursed to crawl on his belly and to eat the dust of the ground. Keep that concept in your mind all the time. So when you feel that you're being tempted or oppressed or just feel like he has a little more leverage over you than he should, remember who you are. And remember who the devil is, that he is a slithering fallen angel. God didn't do all this on a whim. He had a plan. And that plan was finished with Jesus. Now all we have to do is take hold of our rights as joint heirs and children of God. Deliverance and authority is, as much, is much easier when you know who you are and you recognize the devil for just who he is. Always see the devil through the eyes of this creation story. He is totally defeated, totally cursed. We are the victors. Never, ever forget this. Amen.